You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. At Going Deeper for December 8th, 2017, Mark Demore shares about the season of waiting at the end of the year. The time we have at the end of this year will determine how we enter 2018. It's been a full year, hasn't it? We, can, we, we started this week uh, in gratitude, looking back at a year and looking kind of, kind of month by month, looking at what it is that we were praying for, what it is that God was doing in our midst being grateful for that. Were we encouraged by that? I was deeply encouraged by that. Up in Zambia, we've also been taking some time over the last couple of weeks to reflect back. Uh, of course, we know it's been, a, it's been a tough couple of years in Zambia. But to look back and to, to look at, say, for example, the Luancha Service Center, who, two years ago, we collapsed it, right? We, we closed it. We drew those who remained closer to us in the RST. But that was, that's where we were at two years ago. And now to see this, this new service center having now been out from the RST for six months now, finding its legs, finding its rhythm, seeing the way that Michael Mwila has been growing as a leader, seeing guys like Rita, seeing Gideon coming back with a, with a fire and with a determination. Uh, and, and coming alongside of those guys in support, um, looking at Sylvia, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. I'm deeply encouraged. To look at Mateo and Belita as a family as they continue to grow. To see Faith as she's now walking around and just starting to, to, uh, to, to talk back. And you can tell that once she gets going, there's going to be fire coming out of there. But, but it's exciting. This family taking root in our midst and growing. Mateo is, he's passionately gone up to DRC three times now, for three. It's unbelievable. You know, dedication, persistence, perseverance, uh, and what he's showing to us in that. It's wonderful. Of course, there are still difficult things that we are working through, right? As we are everywhere. But we see God working in our midst. We see his mercy at work amongst us, and it's encouraging. With one more week left, how are we feeling? Are we feeling excited? Carolyn is, right? Are we excited for the break to come? Are we feeling exhausted that we're just trying to drag ourselves over the <laughs> finish line with as much of a smile on our face as we can? How do we feel? Let's just take a moment, just, just reflect. Well, what are we, where are we at this morning? What are we, how are we feeling? Because this morning what I want to share about is just a little bit about why do, we, why do we have this time? Why do we have time off between next Friday and kind of January 7th, 8th? Why do we take this time? Okay, and part of it might be cultural. We get in a rhythm of we take a break at this time of year. And in, in Africa, it seems to be that lots of things shut down and close in this time of year. But, it, but it's more than that, right? <clears throat> but why ask us about why, what, what, what goes through our thoughts, what goes through our mind when we think about the next three weeks, or the, the three weeks that we have offered, around about three weeks, is because I think sometimes we view it as simply a void in the, in the year. We work hard for 49 weeks of the year, 
or for those of us who, who go back home, uh, those of us international who go back home for four or five weeks, we work hard for those weeks in the year, and those weeks that we're off, it's a void. It's, it's, we, we enter this empty space where we can do with it what we want to do with it, right? It's time, it's our time. That's part of what makes us excited, I think. It's part of what makes me excited about the time, is that there's a freedom it feels like within this time. I can sleep in late, uh, I can stay up late, I can watch movies, I can read my coffee, or read my coffee, no. I drink my coffee and read my book, it's what I'm looking forward to. It's time where I can do whatever pleases me best, right? And I have to confess I'm convicted by that because a lot of it, a lot of what I'm waiting for is that absence of something. But I think that's an, un that's an unhealthy way of how we approach it. I've, I've told it, so I've told this story to, or I've told my, the way that I approach, particularly time going back home, but even this time uh, approaching Christmas, I've told it to a few people, and they've looked at me and said, Mark, that is the saddest thing I've ever heard. So it's one of those instances where you share it thinking, no, this is perfectly normal. Of course, everybody approaches it like this, or everybody has this experience. But then the person looking back says, what? no, no, not, it's, that's a problem, right? <coughs> to share my experience of walking up the hill, huffing and puffing, pain, painful pressure in my chest radiating out through my left arm and sharing that as if that's normal experience and George telling me, no, that's because you're not fit. That you, there's a problem there. You need to get that checked out. In the same way, I was sharing, uh, I've shared to, to many people that my favorite part of a holiday is just right as it begins, right at the very start. So for me, as I go back home, it's sitting in the airport, I've checked in, so all the stress of you know, trying to get there, I'm behind the security gates, I'm behind immigration, now I can start to relax. I order my coffee, this is the best part of my trip because everything is just anticipation. And anticipation is my favorite. I'm Chris, my favorite part of Christmas is Christmas Eve, right? It's, it's that anticipation of what's to come the next day. That's what I love. Because what starts happening very quickly is the reality doesn't meet my, ex, my expectation, my anticipation. The cheese buns at Glamorgan Bakery back home aren't quite as good as I remember them, right? And plus, I eat them and then it's gone. It's, it's fleeting. I was waiting all year for this delicious treat. I eat it. It didn't fulfill me in the way that I thought it would, right? I, I, I dream of binge-watching movies and, and just having time to relax. And I do it and I think, ugh, I don't feel very good about it. I don't feel very good after this, right? I, I, was, I was expecting this high, uh, this fullness, this fullness. I do it and I'm disappointed. And so I was, <laughs> so Dan and I, Dan is of a very similar thought in this regard. And we were talking as if it was completely normal, saying it was before I was leaving a few years ago, we were talking about this uh, around, the kitchen, around the kitchen table and, and sharing about this is our favorite time. And Jen looked at us both and said, you are the two saddest people I know. 
And I, I think, I thought she was joking. <laughs> but I, she was serious. I think she, and she was right, right? It's sad. That's a sad way of approaching things. It's an unhealthy way of approaching it. I think we can laugh at it, but, there, but there's, an, there's a serious element within it. And so, I don't want to share this morning in a way that makes us to feel judged, that makes us to feel more pressed upon to do more over this break, um, that puts pressure on us to shape our break in a certain way. And if we don't do that, if we don't get perfectly right, then it's going to be a wasted time. I don't want us to approach it that way. But I do want to suggest that for many of us, we actually don't spend our time very well. And it results in a loneliness, in a disappointment, even a disillusionment. And I think it leads us to come back from a, from a break, feeling more exhausted and disappointed than when we first started. And that might sound pretty depressing, um, but I've experienced it. I know it. I've tasted it. I don't want us to think in what I'm saying there that it's all about becoming, living a life of an ascetic, separated away from any fun or enjoyment or, or, or pleasures. And it's just all about focusing in on prayer and scripture and whatever the like. And we have to, like I said, to build that expectation that we have to do all of these things in order for, the, for our time to be meaningful and full. Of course we can have fun along the way. We can have enjoyment. But what I want, to, but what I want us to reflect on this morning is how to spend this time well. And two scriptures that I want to share with us in particular. One out of Galatians uh, 6, 7 to 10. So Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. This scripture draws deeply on this, this important theme within scripture from the very beginning, right? It's, it's explicitly laid out at the end of Deuteronomy, this choice that is continually before us. There's no third choice. <laughs> we're, we're doing one of two things. We're choosing life or we're choosing death. These are the two choices that are put before us. And what, it, what Paul is sharing out of here in Galatians is we can sow into the flesh, right? We can sow into making it all about what is pleasing to me, making it, putting myself at the center of things. <coughs> and we think that that's going to bring us life. We think it's going to bring us fulfillment, but it doesn't. It brings us corruption. It brings us death. That's one choice that's there. Or we can sow into the spirit. 
We can make that conscious choice to sow into the Spirit, and there, that's where eternal life is. But there's those two choices that are set before us. Alongside of this scripture, I want to read for us another guiding scripture, another scripture out of Isaiah 30. For me, this year, this has been a guiding scripture. Isaiah 30. Yeah, Isaiah 30, verse 15. I'm, I'm nervous. So Alicia just went, huh. So that confirms my nervousness, actually, of, of saying that this is a guiding scripture for me. Because I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, I've had that experience where people have shared a, a scripture such as, for example, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit and think of others more highly than yourself. And people sharing that with me and me looking at their life and behavior and attitude and thinking, that's been, that's been guiding you? I would have never thought. <laughs> if, well, maybe, you know, how, could, how bad could it have been if that hadn't been guiding? So now I'm a little nervous here, Alicia. But, uh, but at any rate, but Isaiah 30, 15, as I said, it's, it's, it's been an important scripture for me this year. And so let me share it with us. So, so it reads, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you refused and said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee. And we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. <clears throat> in this bit of scripture, we know what Israel is facing, right? Israel is facing, um, facing an enemy that's going to come and conquer. They know. And what they've chosen to do, what we read even just at the beginning of chapter 30, ch chapter 30 there, where it reads, O rebellious children, says the Lord, who carry out a plan but not mine, who make an alliance but against my will, adding sin to sin. Israel was not living at this time in the way that God had ordained them to live, as a witness to the nations, to the living God. They weren't living in that way. And because of that, destruction was coming upon them. And instead of returning to God in what Isaiah is, is saying, God is saying, return to me. That is where you'd find your rest. That's where you'd find your salvation. They decide to make other plans. They decide to make an alliance with Egypt. They decide to rely upon the political and military power of the day in order to find their salvation there. They look out to the world and say, that's what needs to happen here. These guys are going to conquer us. We feel an absence of God. Where is God in all of this? We feel this destruction happening. So we, okay, God isn't here anymore. He's abandoned us. What else can we do? Have we felt like that before? I know I certainly have. When God isn't showing up for us in the way that we think God should show up for us, we make our own plan, right? And that's what's happening here in Israel. Let me read it again. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. 
But you refused and said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore you shall flee. And you said, we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. So God is, God is calling Israel to turn, right? Return, repent. Turn away. You were walking in this direction. It's the wrong direction. It's bringing death. It's bringing destruction. Turn away from that. This, this, this theme of fleeing that's in, that's in this scripture, we talk a lot about the flee response, right? It's one of the four F, four Fs? Three Fs, right? It's because of our brokenness. It's out of our, it's out of our hurts. It's out of our, lo- it's out of our brokenness that we have this response. And so what does it mean for us to flee? What does it mean that in in response to this invitation that God has made to come, to return to him, to draw near to him, to find rest in him, to find quietness in him, to trust him, and therefore to be saved. But rather our response is to run in the other direction. What does that mean for us today? I think fleeing can look like lots of different things, right? Different personalities live this out in different ways. For some of us, we get busy, right? We just fill our time. We fill our time more and more and more and more. Because eventually, we'll get to the end of that list and it's going to feel good. Some of us swing to the other side of laziness, right? We just think, ah, I just need to to rest, kick up my feet, and get and empty myself. But always, no matter what side of the pendulum you're on, the, the, what side of the spectrum you're on, it's always a retreat away from God and inwards towards ourselves, to our plans, to what we want. We have many examples of fleeing, right? Right from the very beginning, the original sin. What was the response of Adam and Eve? Was it to draw close to the Father? No, they ran, right? They ran and they hid. Something very, there's something very deep in that, isn't it? It's so familiar to us <laughs> that sometimes we can just glance over it. But what does that mean for us? How do we see ourselves in Adam and Eve in our response to just flee, to just get away? I just need to get away from that. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling challenged. I'm feeling like I just need rest. So let me flee away. Let me get away from that. I was struck a few years ago when someone uh, pointed out something very obvious when you look at it, but something that, uh, that I hadn't looked at before. And we have these two words, right? Vacation and holiday. Basically, they mean, in a sense, they mean the same thing, right? We use them kind of interchangeably. I'm going on vacation or I'm going on holiday. I looked it up. It's actually the Americans that talk about vacation. Um, actually, those of us from North America. Dang it. Right? We talk about vacation. Vacating. Getting away from. Getting away from the everyday. When I, when I think of that picture, I think of us sitting, lie, or sitting lying on the beach. Right? We've moved away from our day-to-day life. And that's what we've needed to do just to get some rest. Right? 
we've vacated, we've emptied ourselves of the responsibilities or the, the things that are day-to-day that were, that were draining us, that were, that were emptying us, so that we could be filled up through, I don't know what, through whatever we fill our time that we've left empty because we've moved away from our day-to-day. Versus, and I guess in that sense, that vacate, that vacation side, to me, that, that speaks of that fleeing, that trying to move away from vacating that normal space that I hold versus a holiday. And a holiday, it's based, the, the word is derived from holiness, right? To make, to make a certain time sacred, holy, set apart. And I wonder if that helps us as a, as a, as a picture as we move towards this break. And asking us the question, what are we doing? Are we going on vacation? Or are we going on a holiday? And we have to kind of separate our, from our imagination what we think about in those two, two words. But vacation on that side of fleeing away versus a holiday where, we, where we're making time holy, separate, set apart. So as we approach the next few weeks, I want to suggest that, that we, we keep that as a bit of a framework for us as we think about it. And so what does that actually mean? What does it mean? What, what, what does it mean to approach this time that we have as a holiday, as a holy time, as a time set apart and sacred? Well, I think it's significant. So I want to offer a few thoughts on that. Firstly, I think it's significant that this is Advent and Christmas that we're moving into. So Advent is this time of waiting, right? That's what the word means in Latin. It means waiting. What are we waiting for? And so we're waiting for God to fulfill the promises that he, is, that he has made to Israel for the word of God to become flesh and to come and dwell in our neighborhood, right? That's what we're waiting for. And at Christmas, what do we do? We, it's a time of celebration at the end of that time of waiting because God has fulfilled his promise. This waiting that we've had, it's not been in vain. <clears throat> that beautiful song of, of Mary, that song of praise that Mary sings in Luke 1. It speaks about the people who were waiting originally as Christ came. It says, Mary, and Mary said, this is Luke 1, 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor, favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is Mary in response to the angel visiting her to explain what was happening. 
And she's hearing what the angel is saying in the light of the promise that she knows has been made to Israel and that is being fulfilled in this time. There's this recognition by Mary that this is good news. What the angel is saying is good news. And it's rooted in why it's good news, that the world and us in it are incredibly broken. We need Christ. And so I think a part of this waiting, this waiting posture that we take over this time, part of it is recognizing the need that we have for Christ. If we can first recognize and deepen our understanding of our need for Christ, how much more meaningful is it as we wait for his coming and and celebrate his coming? I think this posture of waiting is significant for us as we strive to make this time away uh, 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 a sacred time, a a time of, 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 of fullness. And I want us, that posture of waiting is one that recognizes that ultimately it doesn't depend on our actions making it so that something happens. It's not our doing something that twists God's arm into giving us fullness and blessing. It's us surrendering and retreating, returning, I should say, into into God, into being attentive to what what is God doing in our midst and that being an important aspect. What is God doing in our midst? This, this, um, This attentive posture doesn't mean that we don't do anything, however. So we don't, whatever we do, it's not to twist God's arm to get for, so that he will bless us. But, we, but to be attentive does require certain practices, certain things that we actually do in our time. And I want to suggest then five things that we do over this time. And they're not novel things, they're not new to us, they're things that are very familiar. The things that we try to practice all the way through the year. But in this time that we have away, I want to suggest that we focus on five things. The first is what we started with on Monday, and this practice of gratitude. Sometimes, and I don't know where each of us is at this morning. I don't know if we are filled with look with filled with wonder at what it is that God has done. In this year. I don't know if we're in a dry place of thinking, where is God in all of this? I don't know where we're at. But I want to suggest that wherever we're at, that we seek out in this time things that we can be thankful for from God. It doesn't, we're not grateful because I feel full and and, 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 and that overflows into gratitude. Sometimes that happens. But for the most part, it's actually striving to see the world as it actually is, which is filled with mercy and God's love and grace. And we have to work sometimes to see where it is that God is working. But this work, I think, is rooted in the second uh, practice that we have, which is prayer. 
prayer, this, this making ourselves available to God. It's not about, okay, I have to create a list of 25 things and I'll work my th- way through that list and at the, at the, after I've done the 25th thing, that's where I'll feel fulfilled. It's first and foremost uh, making ourselves attentive to what it is that God is doing. Right? And out of that, I think gratitude flows. And out of that, I, I really truly believe that that's, where joy, that's, that's a significant source of joy for us. But I want us to, to, in that prayer, to be paying attention to how God is moving in our, in our world and what it means for us to be as Mary was, waiting in anticipation for the fulfillment of this promise and hearing her words and repeating her words in, in prayer. But that posture of attention. The third thing I want to suggest is And it's going to be, again, very familiar to us, right? Scripture. How do we we create time in our day, in our week, that in pursuing, in, in having different rhythms, in doing different things than we normally would be, how do we make Scripture a part of our day? How do we, particularly in this time, I think, how do we pull the resources that we have in Scripture that speak to the hope that we wait for and that we celebrate in Christmas. And I want to suggest a few, uh, a few Scriptures. One of them we've read today, Luke 1, 46, um, through, to, uh, through to 55, that song of Mary. Just following that, Zechariah's prophecy uh, in Luke 1, 67 and onward. And the way that this is deeply rooted within the promises in the prophets, and particularly in Isaiah. We, of course, know Isaiah 9, which is a very, very uh, prominent verse in, in this time as we wait for a child that is given, right? Isaiah 11. And we'll close with Isaiah 11. Isaiah 35. Isaiah 55 these beautiful promises that Israel was waiting for as we, um, as Christ was birthed in Bethlehem. And of course, the Psalms are always rich in this. So I want to suggest that over this time that we've, we create, and I, for me, how I want to do this is to do something realistic (laughs) and not just dream up of, okay, I'm going to spend three hours a day in deep study of the word. Is that realistic? Probably not. But something that will help to root me in what it is that this season is for us. So, gratitude, the first practice. Second practice being prayer. The third practice being uh, reading scripture, finding some time in our day to focus our attention upon the word of God because it is the word of God who was made flesh in the season that we celebrate and came and dwelled in our midst. The fourth thing I want to suggest is worship. And worship, this takes several forms, right? Of course, this time of year is filled with 
carols. We sang one of them <laughs> this morning. Well, we sang three, but of course, two were, two were fun, and we appreciate them, Carolyn. Right? But that's not all that we're talking about here, right? We're talking this posture of worship. Out of gratitude, our prayer, our reading of Scripture, what does it mean for us to take a position of worship, of praise towards God. I read this week uh, something that that I hope sticks with me. And uh, someone said, the opposite of a slave is not a free person. The opposite of a slave is someone who worships. I thought that was deeply profound. Because if I'm honest, for me and my It's easiest to worship when I'm, again, filled up, overflowing with joy and thankfulness. It's tougher to worship in those dry seasons and when it's difficult. And if we look out at our world and if we recognize why it's necessary for Christ to be in our midst, we don't have to look very far, right? Read again this week of, in DRC, uh, 1.5 million people displaced. 1.5 million people displaced. It's unbelievable. It's not happening very far from us, right? 1.5 million people displaced. The world is broken. We don't need any more convincing that the world is broken, I know. But in the midst of that, how do I give worship knowing that that, that the God that we worship knows each and every one of those 1.5 million people by name? loves and cares for them, and that the promises that he has promised are directly relevant for those people. That's something to give thanks for. There's the, I don't want that to be cheap. I want it to transform me that that's true. But that is something to give worship for, to say nothing of the things this year that I can look back over and with gratitude. Give worship for that and the things that we can read in Scripture and to worship God because of the character that, we have, that is revealed there. The fifth thing, so we have gratitude, prayer, Scripture, worship. The fifth thing is service. I can so quickly make this time about me because friends have been looking forward to these three weeks of quietness, and time to relax. But I can so quickly, I'm embarrassed by how quickly I can make it all about me and not make it about service towards others. The way that we spend these three weeks will determine the way that we enter 2018. That's not not a theory. (laughs) That's a truth, right? How we spend this time will have a direct bearing on how we enter 2018. This time that we have as a, as a relaxed time doesn't mean that we stop being f- focused on the children who we know by name. Doesn't mean that we forget about our care workers and we forget about our work, that we forget about the calling, that we forget about the hope that we have. It's rather quite different than that. It's a time to exercise that calling, to live out that calling in a new way, in a fresh way, but in a way that actually 
is much more dependent upon God. I want to be careful in how I say it. Is, is del- maybe let me say is deliberately dependent upon God because we're not there on the ground with our hands. Does that make sense? We're always dependent upon God. But by taking that step back in this time, we recognize that it, it is always God who is working and us who are coming alongside of that. In this season, we get to practice the, uh, we get to practice a posture of dependence upon God because we're consciously not going to jump into a lot of work. And so we practice lifting up our children, our care workers, our grannies, our communities, the church, each other in prayer. And that's an act of service. And to find ways in which, how am I meant to serve in the way that I spend time with family and friends, which is a beautiful time that we get to spend together. How do I serve others? And how do I allow others to serve me so that they may be blessed? Again, for these five things, we don't do them out of a place of, I feel like doing it now, so I'll do it. I feel like praying now, so let me go and pray. Sometimes works like that. But a lot of times it's that, it's that conscious choice because it's, it's not, my perception of the world is not what is most important. What is most important is the promises that God has made and the reality of those promises and the reality of his character. That's what's most important. And we will find fullness as we draw closer into that. Finally, just to to end off, one of the things that struck me as I was uh, reading and preparing for for this this morning is someone uh, sharing out of uh, Psalm 23. Of course, it's a very famous psalm. We all know it probably all, all of us probably know it off by heart. And at the end there when it says, and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In that sense, it, when we, in English, when we hear that word follow, it sounds like we're walking and grace and mercy is following us wherever it is that we go. But in the Hebrew, and I won't even try to say the Hebrew word because I'm going to butcher it, but the Hebrew word, is a, it's much more active than that, than just following. It's pursuing, it's hunting. That's where the root of that word comes from. So God's goodness and mercy don't just follow us wherever we go. We're being hunted. We're being pursued by God. And that is true for us in this, always. But in this time, how do we open ourselves up to to acknowledging that pursuit of God? It's not about trying to fill I'm not suggesting this morning, as I said, I'm not suggesting that we try and fill our, our three weeks with a whole bunch of stuff that's going to make us holier and better people. And rather, I'm suggesting out of Isaiah 30. 
that the truth is that in returning and rest, we shall be saved. In quietness and in trust, we shall find strength. But our flesh is to say, let's flee. Let's get out of here. Let's move. Let's get out of and move away from God. We see that from the very beginning in Adam. And it takes an action, an activity, a movement towards God. And in that, we actually find that it is us that is pursued. It is us that God has come to. And that's what we celebrate in this season. That's what we wait for, and that's what we celebrate in Christmas. So let me close off for us with two things. One, suggesting that as we prepare for this time uh, over the next few weeks, that we take time to think of in these five ways. How can I practice that? Not because I'm good at it right away, but because it takes practice. But that we're attentive to that. And then finally, I want to read for us the promise in Isaiah 11. One of the scriptures that I I suggested earlier. Let me read it over us today. And as we, as we move through our weekend and through one more week and into our, our time of rest, Isaiah 11 says, A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The The wolf shall live with the lamb The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org